0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, February the 25th, 2023. It is currently 11.20 p.m. Central Time. And I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I have decided to do this live broadcast late at night because I think I will approach this maybe from a different perspective. I I have this feeling, and I know this is not the way it should be. I I know that you should not allow feelings or emotions to impact you, but I am very aware that when I'm in this studio – at eleven o'clock at night, midnight, or one in the morning, whenever I may do a late night, early morning broadcast, there's a different feeling. There's a different vibe. There's just no look. I can ignore that. I can deny that. But there's just something different being here in this studio alone. You know, behind me, you know, there's a window, and you can see it's you know nothing but darkness outside. You know, it's it's empty. It's just me alone in a studio at around midnight. It just gives a different feeling and a different vibe. So whenever I start talking about something, I have a tendency maybe to approach it maybe from a more, dare I say, maybe a more emotional perspective instead of very, obj- in other words, and I don't want to say this, but... um Sometimes I I try to tend to approach things from a very objective, like this is truth. This is falsehood. This is right. This is wrong. This is correct doctrine. This is false doctrine. But maybe there's something when it gets later at night that there's a little bit of a crack in that and more of an emotional side comes through. Maybe. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I'm just being very transparent and real with you. So I saw this article today and I and I was like, my first reaction was, no, I I no. I don't believe that. I'm just gonna reject it. But as it got later in the night, I started thinking, well, I wonder if I, I still don't necessarily agree with this theologically, but I wonder maybe if my if my rejection is more of a personal projection and, and and I started thinking at it from a, a kind of a much more emotional maybe a more maybe being more just kind of looking at it deeper maybe maybe looking at it more from an inward perspective I, I don't I don't know I just I just knew that I started feeling a little bit different about it and as soon as I kind of felt that little like a little bit of a a switch all of a sudden I started maybe you know looking at it from a different perspective, I'm like, you know what, Th- now it's time. Now it's time to go to the studio and go live. So hopefully this will be beneficial, all right? I hope, I hope. But I, that kind of gives you a little bit of transparency of what's going on, right? I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be too much in my own head here and I don't want to allow my emotions to take over, but I, I am very much... uh Thinking that there's a couple of sides here, and maybe this will, maybe, maybe I can really, maybe on, maybe the way I've approached this subject so far, maybe it appeals to certain people. Maybe this will appeal a little bit differently, but maybe we can come to somewhat the same conclusion. I don't know. We will find out. So here we go. I cannot speak for you, right? Because that would be foolish. That would be, you know, and not only that, I don't know everyone, but there are times, at least in my life, that I feel like that I, I wake up one day and it's like everyone within Christianity, it feels like. Now, I'm not, obviously, this is not a perfect analogy. Obviously, I'm using this in an allegorical way, so it's not literal, so please hear me out. But sometimes I feel like I wake up and I'm like, and I and I hear like all these Christians running towards something. And they're like, hey, come on, come on, right here, right here. I can't whistle very good. I can't whistle very good. Come here. Come here. Hurry you right here. We're all going over here. You've got to be a part of this. This is amazing. This is the greatest thing ever. You've got to be a part of this. I mean, Christians everywhere. Are like this is the best book. This is this. This is the greatest movie. This is the greatest song. This is, the, and it's like, all of Christianity is running, and they're they're yelling at me. They're whistling at me to you know come along. And I just kind of look, going, uh, what? No, I'm I I no, I don't think that that's good, or I don't like it, or what? And and I sometimes I sometimes feel like is it me? Is the problem me? Or is, are they all running after the wrong thing, thinking the wrong way, going the wrong direction? and and look i know that and I'm, I'm very much aware that there's a fleshly part of me that is very much a nonconformist right there's very much a part of me that that if everyone goes south there's about a 99.9% possibility that i'm turning around and going north i mean if if there's <laughs> if there's a hurricane if there's a a wildfire and everyone is running south to get away from it i may go <sighs> You know what? I think I think I'm just going to walk into the fire and walk into the storm. I there's just something that that's inside of me that says if they if everyone thinks that's good, it's got to be bad. I'm just such it's just built into my DNA. It's always been to go against the crowd, to go against the stream, to go it's just always been there. And sometimes I am I'm glad that it's there, and there's other times I'm like, "What is wrong with me?" If I would just go yeah there it, it, there's probably a little bit of rebellion there I can't deny it but there there's a part of me that wishes sometimes you know if you if I look back at my Christian life if I would have just gone along to get along who knows where I would be in ministry who knows right I'd probably be the pastor of a at least a decent sized church right probably be financially you know, better off, everything would probably be so much better, be more influential, more quote unquote powerful, have a, have a, at least from a human standpoint, a successful ministry. But at every turn, in a sense, I've self-sabotaged my own even possibility for success. My first church where I, 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 I I mean, that pastor would have gotten me into the ministry. And what did I do? Start asking theological questions, theological questions, theological questions, and a set of trying to just, hey, this was going to be my ticket to ministry, I'm like, I got to go find theological answers. And so then I left. And then, so now, then I end up in a Lutheran church. I'm like, hey, now I'm going to be a Lutheran pastor, And what do I do? I keep asking theological questions and then I'll leave at every turn. And then my church in Nebraska, I was supposed to become the associate pastor. And and I, I, I was on my way. I mean, it was a relatively large church. Things were looking up. And then what did I do? I sabotaged that because I was asked to preach for pastor appreciation night. And I... Didn't give the little 15 minute, like, our pastor's wonderful. Our pastor's great. We all should be th-. like, just give the standard little devotional that no, 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 no. I go, I go on a full blown, you know, sermon destroying like the idea of this garbage of pastor appreciation once a year and show what real pastor appreciation would look like. Got my, boom, that was done. I was, I was close to getting out of the military to become associate pastor and it was, it all blew up. I lost everything. And, and I was on Christian radio, lost that, got kicked off the air because I can't just go along to get along. I, I to get along to go along, go along to get along. I can't do it. I just can't. And it's my own fault. It's my, and, and I know that there's a fleshly aspect to it. I know that it's wrong. I know, I, I want you to know that. I don't pretend that it's always right. But sometimes I think there's gotta be someone Who can turn on a microphone, stand behind a pulpit and say, you know what? We're not going to just do it like everyone. We're not just going to go along and get along. We're not just going to follow the trend. We're not just going to follow the crowd. We're going to try to do something a little different. So I try to do things different with the podcast. I clearly do things different with the church. And let's be honest. Most people don't like it, and I understand that. I know what I, I know what I need to do. I just need to follow the what everyone tells me to do, but I just can't bring myself to do it. So I know from a human perspective, I appear to be a failure, I will always be a failure, I will die a failure, and I will never really have accomplished anything from a human perspective. I know that. And it's my own doing, but I, I, I at least find myself in this situation over and over. Everybody's like, this is the greatest thing. This is come, come on right here, right here, right now. Come on, follow us. And I'm just like, sorry, I, I know. Don't see it. Don't understand it. Not playing along. Well, that's how I feel this evening. And I've been feeling this now for a little while because we all know what happened at Asbury. Asbury University, Kentucky, right? Everyone knows the revival that happened. And now there have been many voices that have been much more, this one has been a little bit more divided than you would think. But a lot of people like Asbury, it's this great move of God. Asbury's this great revival. And I have shown my cynicism. I've shown my skepticism. And I do feel that at least in this time, there have been a lot of voices that have agreed with me to some level. But at the same time, I feel like that. And I haven't really like tried to go, in a sense, measure it. or really try to look into it. But I can definitely feel that, that a large portion of Christians like, this is great. This is a mighty move of God. We should not question this. This is awesome. We shouldn't be so skeptical. We shouldn't be so cynical. We should believe this. We should trust it. I know there are many who definitely are far more over there than I am. Where I've kind of sat back with my arms crossed going, ah, yeah, okay, whatever, whatever. And I know that that's not always the right, but I, 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 I think I have been very objective in my criticisms, right? I mean, the Wesleyan Holiness Movement, I believe that's a false doctrine, radical. Well, I mean, Asbury University, that's the foundation of their school is the Wesleyan Holiness Movement, Asbury Seminary, same thing. So uh, when when I get the initial reports about the supposed revival, what do we find? Well, some girl supposedly was getting ready to go to class and the Holy Spirit talked to her and told her to go back in. Well, now we have extra biblical revelation. I'm concerned. And then we find out that even though it was kind of put forth as like a spontaneous move of God, it was a little bit more planning and talking about something happening happening at Asbury way before be, clearly before the supposed revival broke out. So there's again a little bit of ah, and then and then when you watch the live stream it just was singing and singing and singing and singing. And then a lot of times when someone would take a mic or talk you would be like, "What is happening?" So there there was at least at least some I think those are objective concerns. But people are like, no, 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 no. This was a move of God. This was a move of God. And now some are saying that Asbury is just the beginning, that something big is is happening, that revival is breaking out and that we're basically on the verge of the great awakening that will occur to usher in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you an example of this. This was published um, on February the 25th. So it was published today. All right, Ann Graham-Lotz, right? And I think, I think it's A-N-N-E, and if I'm mispronouncing, if, I don't think it's Annie, but I think it's Ann Graham-Lotz, if I'm mispronouncing her name, please forgive me. It's not like I, I listen to her or read her all the time. I know who she is, obviously, uh, but I don't know if I say Annie Graham-Lotz or Anne Graham-Lotz. Graham so if I'm saying it incorrectly, just please, that's not the, it's not the person That I'm really focused on here. It's what's said. But this is what she's wondering. If the Asbury revival sparked the last great awakening before Christ's return. Is the revival that broke out at the Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky. With continual worship and prayer on campus for weeks. That spread to other campuses. A sign of Jesus' return. This is the question pondered by the daughter of legendary evangelist Billy Graham. In a recent blog post on her website, evangelist and author Anne Graham Lotz asked if the Asbury Revival, which has moved to new sites and inspired similar gatherings on other college campuses across the country, could be the last great awakening before the second coming. Now, let's just stop here before we read any more. This is important. Because now we get into theological differences. See, this, this is the thing. When everyone starts talking about revival and God is moving, so much of that discussion just throws out doctrine and theology. Or where I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is at a school that. It's based off the Wesleyan holiness movement. I'm sorry, theological error, but it's like, no, if people are getting emotional, if people are supposedly having an experience, if, if something, if people supposedly have testimonies of something happening to them, then that's what we should focus on. Ignore the theology, ignore the doctrine. Ignore the how scriptures are being handled. Focus on the experience. Focus on the emotion where I tend to be like, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, what's the theology? What's the doctrine? If Bible studies are breaking out all over campus, who's teaching these Bible studies? How are they handling the scriptures? How are the scriptures being exegeted? What hermeneutical movement? Are these Bible studies based off the Wesleyan holiness movement? Are these Bible studies based off What the Holy Spirit supposedly said to them about the text is a charismatic, like I've got issues. And when you do that, people like you, you're so, you're just, you know, so focused on this insignificant stuff. But I know when you're dealing with theology and Christianity, it's this supposed insignificant stuff. That's really the most significant because you're dealing with truth. Emotion doesn't trump truth. Truth is to triumph. Truth is to trump emotion. Now, I said that there's an emotional part to this, and I will explain in a minute my emotional, why I'm doing this at night. Because if I was doing this during the day, I would just stay right here and just focus on the subjective stuff. But I will let my emotions come into play here in a minute. But here's the theological issue. Do you believe that before Jesus returns there will be a great awakening. Now, this, this, this leads to lots of theological dispute. Let me explain. Do you believe there will be a great spiritual awakening, a national, a global revival that will happen before the rapture? Or let's say you ignore that. You, you don't believe in a rapture. You throw out the rapture. So then do you believe things will get worse and worse and worse? And then there'll be this horrible time, whether you want to call it tribulation, whatever you want to call it in your eschatology. And somewhere in the midst of this horrible tribulation, there'll be a great global revival. Then Jesus will come back. So do you believe there is a great awakening that will happen before a rapture? Or do you believe there is a great awakening that will happen in the midst of tribulation? Like, like, everyone's eschatology has to answer this question. Here, here's my belief. Whatever supposed great revival will take place right now for me, I don't believe that it's the church now should be looking for a great revival. I think what we should be prepared for is that it's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse. Apostasy will reign. The church will become more and more ungodly and depart from the truth and turn to fall. I think the church is gonna get worse. I don't think there's gonna be a global revival. I don't perceive that. I believe that the last days will be characterized by by widespread apostasy and that the, the corporate... And when I say corporate, I'll say the the visible local churches will become more and more apostate and believers will not find themselves welcomed in those kinds of churches. That That's what I see is going to happen. But other people have a different theology. So we have that whole dispute happening right there. But they're thinking, Asbury, this could be the beginning. This Is this the beginning of the great awakening? So this is it. Now, if this is it, we're in February, 2023. I want everyone just to take note of this podcast episode on this evening, February the 25th, 2023. If this is the beginning of the great awakening, this great spiritual move from God, I want you to revisit where we are in Christianity, how many months do we want to give it? Let's give it June the 25th. June the 25th, 2023. If this is February the 25th, June twenty five, twenty twenty three, 2023. June the 25th, 2023. I want you to stop what you're doing and you can set up a calendar, a reminder, an alert on your phone or iPad to just give you an alert saying, hey, a reminder, It's June the 25th, twenty twenty three, and I want you to just stop for a second and go, what's the biggest issue going on in the church right now? Is it just like, you're going to be like, it's been crazy. It's been revival everywhere. People are getting saved. Churches are filled. Christians are fired up for God. I want you to just see where we are. That's an objective test. If this is the beginning of some great awakening, where are we going to be on June the 25th, 2023? I I I hope so. I hope whoever's listening tonight or who will listen later. I hope you hold me and remind me. Hey, when it gets close to June the 25th, I want I want to start getting emails and going. Hey, 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 hey! It's like June the 23rd. It's getting close. Remember what you said, because I'm going to be very curious. Where 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 are we going to be? Where's the church going to be? All right. So so we have so. But they go on to say this. All right. So in a in a, in a recent blog post on our website. Evangelist and author Annie Graham-Lotz, I think it's Annie, maybe it's Ann, I don't know. Now I'm hearing myself say, I'm like, I think it's Annie Graham-Lotz, asked if Asbury Revival, which has moved to new sites and inspired similar gatherings on other college campuses across the country, could be the last great awakening before the second coming. What began as a part of a scheduled chapel service on the morning of February the 8th, Yeah, the great awakening or the great apostasy, very very true. Which is it going to be, the great awakening or the great apostasy? Or is it going to, yeah, that's very, very well said. I'm glad they said that. All right, so what began as a part of a scheduled chapel service on the morning of February the 8th in a small Kentucky town, transformed into a constant impromptu gathering, drawing tens of thousands of people to experience what God is doing. The New York Times even deemed it the Woodstock for Christians. Yeah, but see, when you call it the Woodstock for Christians, does, did the world even feel like it became much more manufactured hype based off social media? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But all right. Other outpourings have been reported at Cedarville University, University of the Cumberlands, um, let's see, Samford uh, University in Alabama. Lee University in Tennessee, Baylor University in Texas, Texas A&M University. Additionally, the moment has motivated groups of Christian college students to travel to more secular college campuses like Ohio State University and Michigan State University to share the good news of Jesus. In her post, Lotz says that her nephew, Dr. John Paul Lotz, recently visited Asbury before its impromptu gathering was moved off campus this week. Lotz, an associate professor at the Regent University School of Divinity, uh, was sent by the university to observe the revival firsthand. John Paul texted me with this description. There was no leader, no, rev- uh, no rival. Okay, I was going to say no revival, but no rival, no envy, no pride. All humility, meekness, gentle hearts, stumbling sinners, tender students, serving thousands of curious visitors and their love for mercy without knowing that they're doing so. Annie Graham Lotz wrote, quoting her nephew. So basically it was heaven on earth. So basically, you know, that's why everybody went there because when they went there, there was just, there was no rival, there was no envy, there was no pride, it was all humility, it was meekness, it was gentle hearts, not sinful hearts, yet there were stumbling sinners, tender students serving thousands. I mean, all right. Uh, The professor further texted, it is legit. Gen Z write-offs are graciously allowing us to peek in on the surprising work of God as they are, as they serve us like priests, unconsciously dragging us into the presence of the Lord uh, through young, redeemed, romantic hearts for God. Christ is being honored. God is being glorified. The spirit is at liberty. The real awkward, cringeworthy gawkers are the over forties like myself who can't put down their phones. The Z's left theirs at home. I don't know if they left theirs at home or not, but okay, it, it, you know, because you would have to go look at all the social media posts and how, I mean, it, the thing was going viral on TikTok. I don't think that that was the over 40s posting it on TikTok. I could be wrong. Um, lots ask, could what John Paul observed be the beginning of the latter rain? Oh boy, here's the whole latter rain thing. An outpouring of God's spirit as one last great awakening before Jesus returns. Latter rain refers to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit before the second coming of Christ. Lot quotes James 5, 7. Therefore, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently uh, for it until it receives the early and latter rain. Now, is James 5, 7 about the latter rain of some outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Or is that a complete mishandling of the text? But see, the minute I start asking those questions, see, what have I done? Oh, well, i I'm sorry. Someone has to go, wait a minute, is James 5, 7 about some ladder pouring out of the Holy Spirit? Someone has to ask that question. I don't care the emotions. I don't care how glorious it appeared. If people are mishandling the scriptures, it's either either we care about what the scriptures say or just throw out the scriptures and everyone just goes around having the most emotional experiences that they can have. And all truth doesn't matter. Emotion matters. That's that's. (laughs) oh, I see. I can't, (sighs) Mm. and and it's so weird. uh, Let me finish this and I'll try to explain because I got a lot going on in my head right now. All right. She concludes by praying, Lord God, let it be so for the glory of your great name, for the salvation of the nation, for the revival of your people. And a recent op-ed for the Christian Post, Greg Laurie, evangelist and pastor of the Harvest Christian Fellowship in California and Hawaii, noted that the last great spiritual awakening happened in, with young people in 1970. It was called the Jesus Movement. It's not unlike our own. God worked a miracle in American history, he wrote. John Erdwin, the director of the new film Jesus Revolution, told the Christian Post, this week, that's what that what's happening in Asbury is unbelievable. It just felt like the scenes of the movie, like it felt identical, just the emotion, please note, of it, which is why we made the movie. I just want it to, I want to feel awakening a little bit, renewal a little bit, and you felt it in that room and listening to those college kids talk about their generation, their time, what God's doing, it was so inspiring to me and I loved it and the hope that things like that can spread. That's why we made the movie. So now it turns into basically a Commercial for the Jesus Revolution uh, film. Okay, we don't want to talk about that right now. By all means, go watch the film and and draw your own conclusions about that period in time. There's a lot we could say about that time, and and I I think there's going to be certain parts of that time that they're not going to report on. <laughs> there's there, there's some key figures in that whole movement that uh yeah nobody nobody will want to talk about. But that that's a whole different that's a whole different story. That's a whole different story. So here is what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm struggling with. On one hand, I'm extremely bothered that every time the Asbury revival gets spoken of, it's about the experiences, the emotions, the all, you know, it's described almost like in terms of like heaven on earth. That's how everyone wants to describe time stood still and I could feel the presence of God and people were weeping and crying and I felt the, it was happening. And, and, and it's like, well, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do, do we possibly need to wait and see what actually becomes of it? Like, but, but nobody wants to deal with like right there. They just quoted James five about the latter rain. And I, is that even remotely close what that's talking about? Is it? The, the Wesleyan holiness movement, like on one hand, I'm very bothered, that it's just like doctrine, theology, exposition of scripture, objective truth is basically being ignored for emotionalism. And, and I know people say, well, it's not emotionalism. It's an outpouring of God, but the focus is on the emotion. Even you say it's not emotionalism, but what is it? Because that's what everyone is focusing on. Right. Okay, so, so I, I, I'm going to continue to put forth that objection. objection. The second thing I want to talk about. And, and, I, and this is why I waited till late at night to talk about this. I've been questioning myself. Is it possible? Now, I still think I have objective reasons for, for this being a problem but i will just try to look at it from a more emotional perspective is it possible that my own lack of spirituality my own sin my own struggles my own maybe lack of spiritual revival is it possible that i take i'm taking what is true of me and projecting it on something else at least i have to consider that right that that you can become so jaded and cynical about Christianity and about so much within Christianity that in a sense it, it deadens your own spirituality and then you project that deadness on any emotion or anything happening. I, I think I, I at least have to bring that up and at least ask myself that question. I mean, I think I've got objective reasons, but I have to be very honest like, hey, wouldn't it be wonderful? But but then I, well, at least I have to at least ask that question. I have to at least ask that question, right? Could it be that there's, there's my own spiritual deadness, but because I believe, I believe, I mean, I don't know. I think all Christians feel that to some level, right? Um, Or my, because yeah, I I think we could have a discussion about that all night, but I just, I'm just at least putting that out there. Is it possible that sometimes our own spiritual issues we project on others, I mean, sometimes it's said that the sins we condemn the hardest are the sins that we secretly struggle with the most, right? I mean, sometimes that's true. The, the sins that we scream and yell about, is it, is it tends to be our own sins? I mean, I, is, that, is, there, is there some truth to that? So am I so um, uh, opposed to emotionalism because of my own lack of emotional issue, like emotional connection to, say, Christianity? I'm at least willing to acknowledge that. I'm at least willing to struggle with that. I have to, I still think I have objective reasons, but I have to be willing to deal with that. So, so number one, I'm, I'm frustrated with the lack of looking at this objectively. But number two, I am at least painfully aware that, I, okay, maybe I truly need a spiritual awakening and I'm projecting my lack of it on anything that looks like it because, I, because it's my own guilt speaking. Is it possible? I, at least consider that. And then today I was thinking about it. I guess this is number three. My own emotional history with Christianity. Now, I was never in the charismatic movement. We all know I I, I rejected the charismatic movement. Basically, I got saved and was like, that stuff is crazy. I don't know what that is. Those people are insane. Their theology is insane. I don't know what it is. And you can say, "Well, that's me." I'm just telling you. That's how I felt. I didn't understand. Like, wait, what? You're speaking in some. What is that? Wait, you're claiming what? God is talking to you. What? You, you had a vision of what? You said healing is guaranteed. Yeah. The the very girls who told me healing was guaranteed when I became a Christian in high school. The Pentecostal girls were. If anyone knows my story, as those were the kind of the Christians who surrounded me. Well, the girl that I took up for all the time who got picked on because she's Pentecostal and only wore dresses and didn't wear makeup or jewelry, always had her back. Not because I uh, agreed, just because I, nobody was going to be bullied in, in my I – mean, I, I I got bullied, but I was always going to take up for anyone else who, who was going through it. I'd be like, no, you can just pick on me. Well, I mean, I mean I've told the story. One day after school, she dies in a horrible car accident. I oh, boy, she'd be like 16, 17, dead. Well, all these charismatics who told me healing was guaranteed, I'm like, fix it, fix it, bring her back. Bring her back. Oh, you can't, you can't because you're telling me lies. You're telling me not. Well, when my mom died, bring her back. They didn't bring her back. I mean, I, I, mean, there was, I saw my friend who killed himself bringing back. They never could fix anybody. They never fixed anybody. So I, I, I became very angry at their nonsense very, very, very quickly, right? Very quickly. I'm like, you people are just liars. I mean, I, I became very frustrated with it. So I never ended up in that world. But at the same time, my conversion was extremely emotional. I've told the story. I ended up at a revival service, Southern Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, Tuscola, Texas. The church still, is still there. I drive past it all the time. I walk in, I don't even remember what's being preached. I have no idea what's being preached. All I knew was this, man, I'm a sinner and Jesus died for me and I don't understand why. And that's about all, my mind at least registered that much. I don't know if it was from the preaching. I I can't explain it. Next thing you know, I'm laying in the pew weeping like a middle Eastern woman. I am wailing. I am screaming out. I mean, I'm just, and everybody's like looking at me like, what is happening to this kid? What is happening? I was just having an emotional breakdown, a complete emotional breakdown. Now there could have been a lot of reasons why having them. Am- now looking back, I mean, there was probably a lot of reasons. I, I mean, just, let's just go back to my things happening in my life at that time. Yeah. And the only reason I ended up in the church in the first place, because of what was happening in my home that night. So there was a lot of emotions, but I'm wailing like a, I mean, just screaming. They stopped the service. They don't know what to do. They have a altar call. I go forward and I'm like, I'm a sinner. I'm just, I'm having a breakdown. Within like 10 minutes, they put me behind the pulpit which is just a horrible thing to do and i'm basically like look a lot of you go to school all you people who went to school with me you're all trash you treated me like garbage you, you you didn't show me any love any compassion anything and i basically went off on everyone there okay then then everyone's crying and then they're like revival has happened you know god is here and everyone has this emotional experience and it's all this crazy all right uh someone says we're, we are given emotions and to understand what God has done for us will probably become an emotional experience. I think there's true, true. I just, I'm just saying that what I, I, what I'm just trying to make sure everybody understands is I, I do know having an emotional experience. I'm very skeptical maybe of why some of those emotions occurred. I think there was some legitimacy in the emotions, but there's a lot of humanistic ways to explain it. But okay. So supposedly revival is here. Now, there, it wasn't a, a, a crazy time that happened in school over the next little while. There were a lot of kids who made professions of faith. There, the youth group went from like nothing to people were everywhere. There were all these youth events. There was a lot seemingly to happen. There was a, it felt like I was in the middle of something truly unique. And, and, and I did experience a lot of, of, of crazy things. But when you look back on it, like if I look, like there was that time I can look at it. But when it was all said and done, by the time I get to my senior year, whatever it was, was gone. I mean, people's lives, people's lives had, you know, people, there, there was sin. There was, I mean, I, I, I'm sorry, there just wasn't a lot left there from all the supposedly stuff that there was cool to be a part of. But by the time you get to the end. I I I just I just I I I I I would I would question it. But I know what that experience is like. And then there were other times in my Christian life where I kind of sought that emotional aspect of my Christianity. I kind of I kind of sought it out. But here's what I found over and over and over. Whenever I would supposedly have these big emotional experiences with God, may have been wonderful, but it just goes away and then you're left with whatever. And so many times I felt the emotion would trump truth. Like almost if I can seek the emotion, then I can ignore the reality of my own sin and my own failure and my own shortcoming. At least that's how I started feeling. So I, and not only that, I became, I became just much more cynical because over and over I'd hear revival, revival. And and then you look around, one, either you false doctrine everywhere or two, revival. And and then what happens? Three months, four months, six months, a year after you got broken marriages, families falling apart, sin everywhere. And you're like, well, I don't know. Did, did we really have some a movement of God or was it something else? Um, I'm getting ready to open the um, Spreaker app so I can see the comments that people are leaving. So give me one second because I see some comments. It is cool that people are listening to me almost at midnight. If I can open this, here we go. Yeah, I, I, th- I think, okay, someone just said, I think mistaking emotion for spiritual is the problem. I think, see, I think that's the issue. I think that's where my, I became very cynical, right? Um, because I think so many times the emotion, I, and, and I and I watched this happen. I, I think another, not only did the charismatic movement had a profoundly negative impact on me, just being anywhere around it, I would just say, look, well, this is nonsense. But I watched it with church camp. Now, I didn't ever go to church camp because I determined uh, that's nonsense. I, ju- I just was opposed to it. I'm like, wait, you're going to send me off somewhere. You're going to isolate me. You're going to cut me off from any outside entertainment, any can't take my Walkman, whatever, you know, obviously dating myself. You can't. You- and then you're going to be isolated. You're going to be then indoctrinated. And then all I, all I could say is you're being emotionally manipulated. And I'm like, well, that's basically classic brainwashing. So I'm like, again, as a teenager, I know – being rebellious. I'm like, I'm not going to that nonsense. You go. You guys go. I am not getting anywhere near your church camps. I'm not doing that. I don't know what this nonsense is. Because here's what I would see. Kids would go to church camp and they would come back and they'd be like, oh, it was so beautiful. And and, I, and I'm going to I'm gonna say serve Jesus and I'm going to do this wonderful stuff and, and I'm going to stop listening to rock and roll and I'm not going to watch MTV anymore and I'm not going to have sex with my girlfriend anymore. And, uh. and then three months later (laughs) gone just gone right back to the same a dog returns to its vomit right back same sin same struggles they had the emotional experience they all were there in the last night their arms around each other singing some song everyone's crying I remember we went to some big youth conference at reunion arena in Dallas Texas The only thing I know about Reunion Arena is that's the – it was Christmas night and it was the Von Ericks with the Freebirds and it was a still cage match. And that's when the the Von Ericks and the Freebirds get – okay, never mind. I'm going professional wrestling. Okay, that's what I remember. That was an emotional experience. But I remember being there with the teenagers for church. And I don't even remember. It was like some Michael W. Smith song. I don't know. Maybe it had been a Whitney Houston song. I don't even know what it was, but there was all the kids and they got their, Everybody's holding hands and everybody's crying and you know, Oh Jesus. And, and, and well, then they all came back and I went to school with them right back to the same, same life. That an emotional experience, but and, and, and I, and I just started becoming more and more cynical of it. For me, the, the praise ban, the hands raised, the emotions, I, I, I just became jaded to that. For me, if you wanted to find emotion for me, and I did this many times, midnight, one o'clock in the morning, going into a Catholic sanctuary and just sitting there in the silence alone. That to me was much more emotional and fulfilling and a beautiful architecture. There, not, not that I agree with Catholic theology, but their churches were open. and Everybody else's churches were closed, okay? And, and some of them have even like a prayer chapel that's open 24 seven that you can walk into and, and, and a Catholic church. I know there's some other kinds of churches that will do similar things, but usually you're the only one there. You're just alone. There's candles lit. You're alone there. Or maybe within a, in the a Lutheran church, just uh, the, the, the liturgy, just the liturgy. In silence, I felt, I felt that 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 the all the other stuff felt manufactured. This was just like what 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 many of my charismatic friends would say. You know, it's the chosen few. You di- you know, you're you're you are di- the no the frozen chosen few. I think is the way they described it. That you're just frozen. You can that they would joke that you can just ice skate down those aisles. There's no power. There's no fire. There's no passion. There's no zeal. And I would be like. No, there's something better there. There there's something more tangible, real because the liturgy is filled with scripture. The the, uh, the coming in scripture, the bringing in the candle, representing bringing in the God, the holding up the God, all the different parts of liturgy. I'm like that to me is far more beautiful like in some way shape or form. Or just a little small church with people just studying the word of God, singing a hymn to me is more emotional, but I but I understand That I had somewhat of a jaded perspective, but here's what's kind of weird to me: when it comes to my Christianity, I tend to be more like, "Give me doctrine, give me truth." I don't want to be manipulated. I want, I want, I want it exegeted. I want it explained. I want to understand it. I don't need the emotions right? Because my emotions will last for a moment and they'll be gone. What I need is I need to be connected to truth. I need, I need that. Now I'm not saying emotions are all wrong. Please hear me out. I'm just saying I've seen too many times the emotions just become a roller It's almost like a, it's almost like a drug addiction. They need that emotion. But here's what's weird in my, in my life. I may not find, I don't really want the emotion when it comes to Christianity, because I feel like that will set my spiritual life on a roller coaster. So I wanted objective truth. But if you take me away from all of that, remove me from Christianity, and you find me in my media room with a pair of headphones on, you not listening to Christian music. I have emotional experiences there. I may have tears coming down my eyes. I'm feeling the mu- music. I, I, I have an emotion there, right? I have the emo- Watching a television show, I'm emotional. I'll cry over anything. I'm like, what just happened? Why is this happening? I get a- reading a novel. I get emotional. Like there, My emotions are all over the place there. But when it comes to my theology and my Christianity, I'm like, I don't know about this. I'm not saying that that's always right. I'm not saying it's always right. I'm just saying that that's that's my struggle. So when everyone's like, oh, look at the beautiful emotions. When it comes to Christianity, I'm like, yeah, that's dangerous. Now, I know there should be a way, biblically speaking, to have the emotion the theological truth and the two could merge together in some beautiful way that would be biblically sound and accurate. So I think that it's perfectly okay if someone can worship God and have that emotion. I I think it's perfectly okay, but I don't think we can judge the spirituality of something because of that emotion right Be, because that that's i guess that i guess that's what i'm concerned with is that we take an emotional experience and and describe and, and basically judge it as being spiritual because we had emotion emotions can happen for a million reasons the time of day the time of night the sound of the music the progression of the chords Minor or major chords, right? We know they have an impact, right? The, the lighting, the mood, right? The, what's been going on in your life, right? What's happening? Are you stressed? Is there, all of that can lead to. And you say, oh, it was a glorious time in the presence of God. I felt the emotion, but does that mean it had anything to do with God? Now, I know that's cynical. I know that's cynical. So I don't know. I, I, I just think that for me, I, I, I'm bothered that nobody wants to look at it objectively. I Two, I'm very much willing to acknowledge. I'm very much willing to acknowledge that maybe it's a lack of revival in me that's making me skeptical about the revival there. But three, there's this whole issue of emotion And I I don't know, like, maybe it's my own cynicism and skepticism about emotion, but I I just know that that a lot of people are having emotional experiences right now with supposed revival on whatever college campus. It's supposedly it's happening and they're making sure it gets on TikTok and everybody's like, look at this, revival is happening. And what I see a lot is just a lot of singing. Now, I'm not saying something spiritual isn't happening, but it makes me at least going, so where are we going to be come... June the 25th. Where are we going to be? I don't know if I have a good answer where we're going to be. Where am I going to be? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't even know where I'll be spiritually speaking. So where, where I mean, I don't know. I I would hope that everyone who has an emotional experience is going to be better off spiritually come tomorrow, come the next day, but I just don't know. Maybe the question I'm asking is, what is that proper balance? Now, many of you know that late at night, typically when I go to bed, I'm always listening to something. And a lot of times people know I listen to family radio, uh, BBN, Bible Broadcasting Network, Fundamentalist Broadcasting Network, Redeemer Broadcasting, there's a couple, uh, Refnet, there's a couple of others that, that I've, on our Discord channel, I've got a, an entire channel of the different stations I listen to, and the last time I listened to them late at night. And there'll be plenty of times, one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, I'll hear a, a certain hymn, or i hear a devotional, and I will, there, there will be a sense of emotion. There will be a sense of emotion where I'm, I I do feel that, I'm great. I gratitude for what God has done for me. I will feel conviction over my own sin and there can be some emotion, but I also know it's two o'clock in the morning alone in the darkness. That like, that emotion may be spiritually, but I, it may be something spiritual, but I also know that in many cases when I wake up the next day, By 10, 11, 12 p.m. the next day, whatever the emotion I experience typically has no profound lasting impact on me. At least that's how I feel. Maybe I'm too jaded. It's just funny that something that everyone's tried to say, it's not emotionalism. It's legit. It's a move of God. When people talk about it, almost always the emotion adjectives that describe emotions tend to be what everyone uses i don't know i i'm skeptical but you can tell me do you feel like that we are right now what we are about to witness um someone someone said it's been it's uh it's been tomorrow for almost an hour well it just it's for me here in texas it's been tomorrow it's now Sunday for ten minutes. Someone said, "Well said, truth outlasts emotion." It definitely does. It definitely does. For at least for me, uh, someone said we could feel the spirit moving or see the outpouring of the spirit. Is another thing I've heard from some of the testimonies. I'm assuming they're speaking of the emotions of people. Yeah, that's again. If you feel it, if you see it, what are you seeing? You're seeing emotions. I, I don't. I just. I just struggle with this so much. I. I just. I just think everyone's thinking, this is it, right? Everyone's like, "We're it's happening. And I just feel like, what's happening? What's happening? What's happening? I'll end with this. By no means am I an expert on the history of revival. By no means. And I know there's been different recorded revivals throughout church history. Many, some of those uh, so-called revivals are just straight up heretical. I mean, the Vineyard movement, all of that—that that's heretical. Brownsville, that's Lakeland. I mean, I can go. Some of them are just straight up heretical, and I don't care what anybody says; they're just heretical. Many would talk about, I think, the second great awakening, and I think that that what happened after that, they call it the burned over region, where people were just became jaded and not even open to the gospel, and that it was actually devastating, and you can go Charles Finney and all of the destruction that happened there. So I I know we can go through a lot of that, but for me, I'm going to describe it. These two ways, and, and maybe this will make sense. And I know this is not quite the direction I wanted to go, but I, but I, well, this is where we are. A lot of times, people talk about, the, uh, and and this is much more aligned with things that I would know more about, like you know music and culture, uh, because some some of the historical revivals I've always been skeptical about them. But in this particular case, I think this is much more well documented, and people would agree on this. There was a lot. Of, well, a lot was said about the hippie movement. Right. That, that, yes, you had free love, you had drugs, you, had, you obviously you had a lot of sin there, but there was a lot of ideology there about getting away from materialism and, 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 and getting back into tune to loving people and helping. Like There was a lot of ideology connected with the so-called hippie movement. Right. And a lot of people believe whatever, whatever good was in the hippie movement or whatever was bad in the hippie movement. That no matter what you think about it, good or bad, that in a end that in a in a certain way at least in a symbolic way, it all came crashing to an end in a in a certain way in that muddy field at Woodstock, that the rain, the mud that it really just all kind of ended there, that that was kind of the beginning of the end of the hippie movement. And you're going to go into the seventies, sexual revolution, and and culture was going to change much more maybe about materialistic. And and then by the time, we we could go through a cultural change, but a lot of people feel like that right there in that that muddy field at Woodstock, it all came to kind of its own poetic end. And I think that there's some truth to that. But we know what arose from the, the wood, from the hippie movement, from Woodstock. You have the birth of the Jesus movement. You have the birth of contemporary Christian music. And it was a time supposedly of great awakening, a great revival. That's the film Jesus Revolution. It's all about that Jesus movement. The beginning of Calvary Chapel, right? The beginning of contemporary Christian music. And everybody talks about this great revival and how amazing it was and how glorious it was. And it was this great thing. And there was lots of emotion and there was lots of things happening. No one can deny that there was not, there was emotion, there was activity. But some of those stories that come from there, nobody wants to talk about. Nobody wants to talk about how many of the people in that, yeah, they had emotion, there was a lot happening, but many of their lives, I mean, one of the early people in that entire movement, I mean, years later came out as a homosexual and died of AIDS. Many of them, bro- brokenness and, and, I mean, just, just there was sin, sin happening all over the place. You read about some of the early contemporary Christian music artists and you're like, wait, they were doing what? Wait, what was going on? What was happening? There was emotion, there was a passion, there was a zeal, but guess what? There was brokenness and sin. Now, on one hand, you should expect that. You should expect that because guess what? I don't care how much emotion or how little emotion, anything supposedly spiritually happening. I, the one thing I am once more convinced of than ever is we still remain sinners, so, but but that the problem is we have the emotion and think something great spiritual is happening spiritual is happening, but what is really happening? We perceive it as something like we've been transformed, we've been changed, but we're the same sinners. So maybe maybe we we expect too much from the emotion or hype the emotion, hype the the activity. But you look at that period of time, go study the history of CCM. Contemporary Christian music go study all I mean I, I spent years of my life researching it go to some of those early bands and early groups and some of those early artists you're like wait a minute we, he was with her and then no no but he was with wait that wait what we, who where what what was going on <laughs> What was happening? What, what was, Wait, and where are they now? Well, this person renounced their faith and this person, and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe it wasn't as wonderful as we all perceived it to be. But why? Why? Because I don't care how much emotion, the, the truth remains, we're sinners. And guess what? Many of them, it was so built on emotion, they had no theological foundation or underpinning. It all became just about emotion and not true truly understanding scripture. So once again, I feel emotion took over and Trump and it trumped uh, truth, but truth lasts. emotions. Don't what happens when the emotions run out. If my Christian life was built on emotion, I wouldn't be sitting here tonight. I would have given up 50,000 times. So so I just every time there's emotion everybody hypes it up like all this is happening I'm like no everyone's having an emotional experience great now what's going to be the end result of the emotion well here's what I know is going to be the end result of the emotion here's what I know the emotion will go away two We're still sinners with a sin nature and sin is still going to be occurring. No matter how strong the emotion is, the emotion can be at a 50 on, on the scale, but the next day you're going to wake up and you're still going to be a sinner and you're still going to sin. That's what I, so the emotion will go away. You're going to sin. Those are facts. That's what's on. And number three, if you don't have truth, you're going to sink. So if if revival is breaking out on these college campuses, what well, what well where's the discipleship? Like well, who's going to come in and exegete scripture, teach them hermeneutics, teach them truth because the emotions are going to go away. they're going to get back to life. They're going to have to take their 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 finals, their midterms. They're going to have to they're going to have they're going to have to go they're going to go on spring break. Life is going to get back to where and what's going to happen? Whether well, they're, they're going to be sinning, I guarantee you that. They're going to be struggling with sin. The emotions will go away and they will either feel embarrassed or stupid or feel like, wait a minute, what happened? They gotta have something to stand. They gotta have the truth of God. It's truth. Truth, that's all, that's all that matters. I'm gonna sin. Truth remains. My emotions are gonna change. Truth remains. That, maybe that's, I don't know. I, I just don't think where, I think that all of this hype that we're on the verge of some great awakening is going to crash and burn. But maybe that's my own, maybe it's my own lack of spiritual revival. I've been willing to acknowledge, maybe it's my own messed up history with emotions in Christianity. It's weird. I can get so emotional about everything else. But the reason I, I don't worry about getting emotional about everything else, because I don't think it, it's not connected to spiritual truth. Maybe that's a messed up way of looking at it. I don't know, but you can email me news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com i i would say I'm, i apologize for this late night i don't know what we call this discussion but i think be doing this later at night or now early morning allowed me to, to talk about a lot of these issues that i'm struggling with i'm trying to be transparent of my own I'm not just trying, I, people are going to walk away going, he just condemned the entire revival movement. I, I'm I'm more struggling with my own issues pertaining to it. And hopefully you can understand that. News, IF at yahoo.com. News, IF at yahoo.com. <laughs> All is vanity, someone says. Yeah, sometimes that's how I feel. I, I that's the, look, yeah, we don't get me started. See, I'm going to start preaching Ecclesiastes now. And someone said, thank you. I really appreciate that can't believe everyone's awake with me at whatever time it is but see now i'm going to i'm going to go i don't know i don't know if i'm going to listen to christian radio you know i may listen to the calm soothing voice of alex jones yeah i know i don't agree with anything he says but for some weird reason it turns off my brain and if i'm going to get any sleep i i owe alex jones <laughs> All the money in the world for whenever I do get sleep it's his voice that helps me go to sleep it's really weird it's like I turn that on I'm like my brain just goes and then I can sleep it's it's really weird it's really it's really really weird. I disagree with everything he says all right. Uh, yeah, th- uh, thank you so much uh, to everyone's listening. It's weird. Maybe I just need. I, I, I'm. I think maybe that I just need to do late night broadcast. I think that's all I need to do for now on because I, I get more people listening and participating late at night. Well, like, except uh, <laughs> you, yo, Alex Jones for shutting your brain down. I do. I do. I owe him for. He can turn my brain off. It's weird. People don't understand. Like if I if I go lay down in a dark room, here's here's what my brain sounds like. There's like a million thoughts. It's just like it's like it's maddening. It's like this just I can't even explain it. It's just like a million thoughts going like per second about everything that's ever happened in life, in the world, in history. It's just like So I have to turn on something and as soon as something comes on, what happens is now that things start kind of shutting down and it kind of like, okay, I'm focusing on this one thing and then maybe sleep can happen. But for some weird reason, I turn on Alex Jones and it's the most bizarre thing. It's like I don't even make it through the first hour. Like he comes on. You have the opening little segment that they do that, that's not broadcast on most radio stations. So I usually just kind of fast forward that. Then he comes in about five minutes in with this opening theme and he comes in and usually within it, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, I'm gone. I'm asleep. Now, I usually will wake up and then switch to other podcasts, but he like, he gets me to sleep. It is, it, there's no psychological or physiological or neurological reason for it, but it's what happens. All right, it's really, 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 really weird. Um, yeah, turning my brain down. Okay, I said shutting my brain down, but yeah, it does. It it turns it, it it turns it down, but it really just it silences everything. I know this has nothing to do with the podcast, but it's just weird how that happens. Where sometimes when I listen to Christian radio or sermons, what happens is I start thinking, oh wait a minute what about this? And what about this? And what about, what about this? And next thing you know, I'm getting up and I got a notebook and I'm like, well, if we look up this scripture and we look up this scripture, Oh, that hymn. Okay. I could do, Oh wait, that was a devotional thought. So sometimes with Christian radio, it turns into like hours of (laughs) sermon prep, Sunday school prep, podcast prep, devotional time. And, and so, but Alex, I don't really care what he says because I don't believe anything he says. So I'm like, okay, talk your non, <laughs> I'm like, talk your non, <laughs> and I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. like, go ahead, Alex, give me your biggest bunch of, and then I go to sleep and that, yeah, there you go. So maybe that's what I'm going to go do. All right. Thank you for listening. You got a little insight into what happens behind the scenes. I know that you really, really, really wanted that information. News, if at yahoo.com. News, if at yahoo.com. Someone please set a reminder for June the 25th, 2023, because we will see where the church actually is and see was – because that will be the proof of whether this was a great awakening or an emotional experience. I think time will tell. Maybe. There's something else I want to say, but I'll stop. I'll save it for next time. So you have to come back and listen next time because I do have an idea. I do have an idea. You'll, you'll see. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great night, great morning, and we'll be broadcasting live at around 10 a.m. Baptism in the early church will be the first hour, and then the second hour, John chapter 4. So that's what we'll be. And then tomorrow night, baptism in the early church. The, the goal is to finish Tertullian tomorrow. Um, that's the goal. And, uh, and to do some John chapter four work. Everyone's betting me that I can't finish Tertullian tomorrow. Everyone, everyone in the church is convinced that I am going to fail. So it's good when everyone's betting against you, I guess. All right, everyone have a great night. God bless.